and welcome to the 15th episode of the NL Feast podcast, your favorite podcast about your favorite division in baseball. My name is Sam Clark, and with me as always, the 5.30 a.m. fireworks to my trying to sleep, Brandon Gross. Brandon, buddy, how you Am doing I not today? a friend of yours, sir? Because that was not a peas in the pod <laughs> situation, what you just said. That comparison does not work. I know. I tried. I think I accidentally insulted you last week too with the audio interface to my yeah. microphone, and you took it as a a, <laughs> a general shot at our audio. Next recording week, abilities. it's like you're the garbage bag to my trash. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> the angry ex girlfriend to my no. Brandon, what's up, man? How are you? You enjoying your uh, your your holiday afternoon here? The long weekend. Yeah, I'm doing okay. It's funny. Um, I live in Los Angeles, as you know, and you live in New York, so we're coastal mm-hmm. elites. And um, yes, yeah, exactly, it's funny yes. because I feel like people this year were sort of like, we're not doing July 4th. You know, everyone was sort of like, they felt mm-hmm. weird about it because of the state of America and like the uh, the last year we experienced, a year plus. And yes. patriotism now does not feel the same. I think I'm all, all for that, but that. everyone's like, I'm lazy this year. Or everyone's like, I'm wearing black. And I'm like, <laughs> I get it. You know, I'm not making fun of that at all. I totally agree with that. But I was like, what's wrong with some hot dogs? What's wrong with some hamburgers? What's wrong with some beers? You don't need to wear red, white, and blue. Amen. But that's my only thing. You don't have to. You don't have to have the full Daniel Vogelbach outfit. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> don't need to have the Vogelbach. Yeah. <laughs> He looked like my, my my dude looked like Winnie the Pooh celebrating July Fourth <laughs> that entire day. I kept seeing pictures like my what is going on? This commitment level is through the roof. Uh, something that's interesting also that happened in, in L.A. was people just set off fireworks even though they're like, "Don't do it, things will burn down." But it's like no one yes. cares. <laughs> our, our entire state is on fire. No one cares matter. here. It doesn't matter, Brandon. You know what today is. Today is a very important day in the NL Feast uh, Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe. It is very important. Today marks the day of the very first guest of the NL Feast podcast, and we're 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 making them patiently wait for a, for an introduction right now. Uh, Brandon, how's it feel on your end of things? Does it feel good to have a guest? I think he could be our Nick Fury in our. In our NL Feast cinematic universe. Wow. The Samuel L. Jackson to our universe. I love it. We would love to welcome on the pod. You know him as Bally Sports Florida's digital host and reporter from Breakfast at Jeremy's, Swings and Mishes. We would love to welcome on Jeremy Taché. Jeremy, welcome to the pod. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I want to immediately pick up on what was, <laughs> on, on what was being said before by Brandon. We, you were talking before about, um, you know, patriotism, mm-hmm. folks wearing black, what's wrong with a hot dog. So last night, uh, spent all day watching Marlins and Braves, mm-hmm. you know, doing mm-hmm. my job as I was supposed to <laughs> on this July 4th. And uh, after that, realized girlfriend and I don't have any plans for the 4th of July. And she approached me and said, hey, what if I went and got now these were vegetarian hot dogs. So I. I oh, am not, nice. and I am not a vegetarian. But these are vegetarian. We already established we're coastal elites. Yeah, coastal so we, elites. So, so, <laughs> so your listeners are cool with this. Oh yeah, we're, we're yes, fine. We're cool. dealing with Miami. We're dealing with LA. <laughs> we're dealing with New York. So nobody cares. But we nobody got veggie cares. hot dogs and some tater tots, and watched a. Uh, we watched Enchanted, which is a wonderful oh, nice. Disney film. So capitalistic society, America <laughs> wins yes. again. Had some hot dogs, had some tater tots, and yeah, I was wearing black the whole time. So was she. It was perfect. It was and it was it. the perfect Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. We watched fireworks from inside our home, and it was <laughs> it was great inside the air conditioning, and that's the way it and should be. And then you went outside a Chase Bank and you protested, and you're like, "You're taking money from us." <laughs> yeah, it was no, perfect. that's awesome. 
So, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, my Fourth of July. I didn't really do a whole lot yesterday. I watched the Marlins game, and then I I, uh, I took a nap because it was the bottom of the ninth, and I woke up to complete heartbreak. But we'll get into that later. I I did a lot of uh, a rooftop hanging. That is honestly one of the biggest adjustments to New York City life. As opposed, I Jeremy for a little bit of context. Yeah. I used to live in Los Angeles area and moved to New York a couple years ago. Not a lot of rooftops to hang out on, huh, Brandon? You know, you can get to mine here, but they like lock it, so you got to like sort of like shimmy up it mm. a bit, and uh, mm. and. And then also the roofs are not safe. I wouldn't do it. This is my point. <laughs> okay, fair. Jeremy, have you? Was that your first time watching Enchanted? Uh, no. So I, I've seen I've seen Enchanted I think once or twice before at a okay. much younger age. But to watch it okay. now is actually a blast. Like I genuinely, <laughs> yeah. I genuinely enjoyed that movie. The music's great. There's only a couple songs, but it's genius. It's genius yeah. that there's only a couple of songs. It's not overdone. It's a choice. Yeah, it's a choice. Yeah, it's an active decision as opposed to sort of forcing it down your throat. And I appreciate <laughs> that. Yes, for sure. I, I, I had a weird week. I watched three movies this week, which is actually pretty out of character for me. I saw Zola uh, in theaters. I don't know if we're familiar with the, the that's new a, that's a Florida that came out. It's uh, like a movie, right? I'm actually not. It's a Tampa movie. It's about really? it was like a it's a, based on a Twitter threat. Mm-hmm. There was like what um, a woman tweeted 143 tweets in a row about being a dancer that got invited to perform in Tampa and everything goes crazy. And then fast forward like six years later, she's got a feature length film and she's like an executive producer on it because of how like uh, engrossing the story I, was. So I did not I did not know this. And now I'm um, it's the first thing I'm going to do when I'm off this podcast <laughs> yes. is find out more it, about it. <laughs> It's really, really great. Nicholas Braun is in it from Succession. I don't know yeah. if you're a Succession mm-hmm. fan at all. Yeah. Tall boy from uh, from Succession. It's very funny. Very, very funny. Wow. You okay. know what that means? Cool. That means also, that if we tweet enough on our Twitter account, we could make the NLP Cinematic <laughs> Universe happen. Wow. Make it happen. Um, okay. So what what is our 143 tweets about, though? It's just, Sixto bad. Uh, Sixto not pitch. <laughs> 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 oh no! Stop, Brandon. I, listen, we're enjoying Trevor Rogers. Uh, that's uh, All Star Trevor Rogers to you guys. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. That's a pride. All Star Rog. All Star. We need more confidence in that, Jeremy. Give us more like a All Star Rogers or hey, something. Right there. You know, I'm supposed to be a pretend, you know, objective mm-hmm. journalist over here. I'm not oh, supposed okay, to be okay, chair okay, in the press right. box. I, oh, never mind. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah, as uh, I literally a... tweet out like in all capital letters every day. <laughs> I don't know who we're we're, we're joking. It's kind of interesting. But... I, so I was actually listening to the uh, the second game of the Braves Marlins series, and the Braves announcers, I think it's Chip Carey and Tom Glavin, I think do it most of the time. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. like oh, right. they're great announcers, and I, I I enjoy them, but they are like openly biased. Like they say yeah. we, and I was like, and I always mm-hmm. wonder because like in journalism, you obviously you see more of that nowadays. But it's like, how do you how do you approach that in the sports world? Is it different than than if you're reporting the news? So probably yes, uh, because there's a more intimate relationship between reporter and organization and and players, right? You know, you start to build real relationships because you're always reporting on the same thing. But that's no different than like Ryan Seacrest probably has a genuinely good relationship with I don't know, Kelly Clarkson, right? Because mm-hmm. they worked together for years and now she's a star and kind of one hand washes the other in what they do. So they probably have a real relationship and root for each other's success, right? For us, this is the difference. For me, I work for Bally Sports Florida, which is team partners with mm. the Miami Marlins, the Miami Heat, mm, the Florida Panthers. Okay. For us, it's not we're not pretending like we don't have a vested interest, right? We yeah. we program their games. We cover mm-hmm. we cover the team. 
So a little bit of a we sneaking in there occasionally in a broadcast. <laughs> I prefer that it's not there. Like I, I talk about the Marlins as they are the Marlins and I am me. And even if I were just a fan, I don't love talking in the we context. I'm not influencing the team. So I try to talk in a they, the Marlins, them type of way. But when I hear on the broadcast, if Paul Severino or Todd Hollinsworth were to say, hey, that's a great drive. And hey, we take the lead. Okay. Like, that's fine. Because you know what? You're serving the Marlins fan base. Marlins fans in your region are tuning in to watch your broadcast. The Braves fans are going to watch the Braves broadcast. It's the reason Joe Buck is the most hated person in America. (laughs) Because every time he's broadcasting your team, there's no way that he could be rooting for your team as hard as the broadcaster you're used to. So everyone thinks he's a hater, even though... Like everyone thinks he's a hater, right? It's because a collective nobody, agreement. Yeah. Think about it. He's never yeah. rooting for your team, and you're used to your team being rooted for and rooting against the other. So the national broadcasters become hated for that reason because it's it's That's team so partnerships originally. That's wow. so interesting, Brandon. As a Mets fan, though, you also have a wild uh, broadcast booth over there too. Like <laughs> they got some so some interesting characters. But they try to call it pretty straight. They call it straight. Like, for what it's worth, they like and I'll give I'll give them credit. They definitely do some of the we and I don't want to answer for you here. This is ridiculous, <laughs> but but I've heard enough of the SNY broadcast that like they definitely incorporate we occasionally because they're former Mets, mm-hmm. but not mm-hmm. a Oh, that's like, also a like good point. when when Michael Conforto leaned into the hit yep. by pitch. It's yeah, the perfect same. example. They were more furious than even the Marlins broadcasters were. Like they, because I think the Marlins broadcasters also, like poor Paul and Todd, were like, "How do we handle this? This is so yeah. obviously a miscarriage of justice." We're furious. Yes. I'm glad they went off the way they did, and I'm sure we'll get into it with the Acuna thing. I was proud of them for for going as strong as they did on that. But with the Conforto one, that was like a whole other animal, and they kind of backed away from it. And I appreciated that the SNY guys kind of attacked. Um, this is an L- NL East podcast, so hopefully the people listening to this remember this moment. Um, yes, it was a it was an iconic moment of the season. Yeah. That was a that was such a big disappointment too. But I do I think Brandon was about to say the exact same thing. I remember the Mets broadcasters also like trying to be objective about it and understanding that from uh, just like a baseball perspective, mm-hmm. what they had witnessed was uh, was a tragedy. Yeah, I mean, I I'm obviously biased because I am a Mets fan, but I do feel like that they are the closest thing to not Vince Scully because Vince Scully is a is God level, but they're the closest thing to just calling the game and trying to be as unbiased as possible. Obviously, Keith Hernandez isn't the most professional broadcaster. Sometimes he's fantastic, and I love listening to him. But sometimes he'll be like, "Ah, the Metsies," you know, he'll like make it a little, yeah. a little more informal for the fans. But and Gary Cohn's a lifelong Mets fan, and Ron Darling, former Met as well. But I do think they do a great job of of being non-biased podcast or podcast. We're a podcast, non-biased broadcasters. <laughs> um, yeah. I saw something recently, and you guys, I think, are going to appreciate this more than most, about how uh, essentially baseball broadcasters were the first podcasters because they, oh, they just had to sit and talk for yeah. hours. And like, yeah, there was a general topic of what was going on in front of them, mm-hmm. yeah. but realistically, they kind of just had a conversation with their listeners for three and a half hours. And that really, in some ways, Vin Scully is the best podcaster ever. And the reason that so many 
young white guys like us that grew up watching baseball <laughs> now want to be podcasters is because what we really want to be is Major League Baseball broadcasters, but we know that's unrealistic. Yeah, so that's we're sitting happening. here talking to each other across the country <laughs> about I, baseball But I can buy a Scarlet Solo for $100 and feel like I'm a Ex- like Exactly. And you can just make yourself feel like you're a broadcaster. So It's great. I, uh, I used to fall asleep to Marlon's radio broadcast yeah, as a too. kid all the time, and it was just like now I just fall asleep to podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the exact same idea. Yeah, it's the same um, thing. But uh, I was I was driving home. Where was a? Oh, I went camping a couple weeks ago, Jeremy. I don't know if you're a big camper. I'm not. But I did it anyways. Um, and I was listening to the Marlins radio broadcast team for the first time on the drive home, and I forgot just like how truly relaxing radio broadcasts of baseball games are. They're like so patient awesome. and oh, and it, they're so descriptive. Uh, it's like it's such an enjoyable experience. My, I really my favorite it. thing. Uh, one of my favorite things that I've ever done was my my summer internship between my sophomore and my junior year of college. I did uh, I was the broadcaster for a summer league team in Orlando, and no so and it was just me. So every other every other broadcast team in the league had two people in their booth. But the way it had to be staffed was that I was the only broadcaster for the Winter Park Diamond Dogs, and so I would sit That's there so fun. through these four and a half hour long (laughs) rain delay summer league games broadcasting on the internet to what I knew was really just the parents of the kids playing (laughs) in this league and maybe a couple of scouts from others because there were like some Juco kids. So maybe maybe someone's tuning in. Maybe, (laughs) but it was as much fun as I've ever had because I would just sit there and try to be as descriptive as possible about everything that was happening. If there was like a fly that was bothering a guy at third base and I could tell I would make jokes about it. And so it was cool because when the parents would come to town to see their kids for the weekend or for one week or whatever, they'd come up and like talk to me because they were like, hey, you've been you've told us what our kids season has been like. Like you've told us what this and it's been fun listening to whatever and. To me, like to be one of the people who gets to be on television or on radio calling these games, it's it's an honor that I think like I don't even know if the people who do it realize it. It, It's so I mean, I I assume they do. Um, But what? That's 60 or 120 broadcasters if you're making it two and you're, you know, pairing out or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And it's just it's these guys are incredible and they get to just lean back and give you all the details of the sport that deserves to have it. So it's kind of cool. It's, it's funny because I have a friend who's a big Red Sox guy, and he said to me when I was hanging out with him, he said, "I listened to the Mets broadcast. I hated it, and there was no, I was huh. so I was I was I honestly got very heated. Like if you said to me, Jeremy, if you go, I hate the Mets. They suck. I would be like, okay, that's fine. We can debate it. But he said, mm-hmm. I hate the Mets broadcast booth. Booth, and I like honestly like went in on. <laughs> you him. take it personal. It was I took yeah. it personal because it was like I've listened to like like a lot of these teams, and a lot of them are complete homers a lot of times when they when they are calling mm-hmm. the game it's like i'm passionate about them i'm passionate about um the padres guys they're fantastic giants mm. guys are fantastic um and of course like i said vince scully who's now retired is is the gold standard but i, I honestly took it personal because it, it you know you kind of like grow up with them to an extent when broadcast booths change, fan bases get more mad than when they lose players. Yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah, like that's the Tommy Hutton that was problem. Huge. I was yeah. gonna say that I was gonna bring that <laughs> up. Like when Tommy Hutton was let go, it was just a it was like the 
biggest deal in the yeah. world. I'm so glad he's back. It's such like yes. it's yeah. it's such a joy to get to see him on TV. We, um, we got a we got a great Tommy Hutton meme yesterday too. A little gif of him tearing up the paper. That yeah, rule. you're welcome for tweeting that out. Uh, that was you. Oh, wow. I'm the one that sent the video out there, and then Fish Stripes made the the meme out of it. Okay, the, okay, the, that's, that's great. But yeah, you're welcome wow. for making sure that got out there on the internet. <laughs> no, because I knew what was happening there. I knew what oh, the people yes. wanted. Everybody wants a good Tommy Hutton, you know, rampage against what's just happened. And yeah, especially when it was so deserving as it was yesterday. Oh, it just was. The, one of the more frustrating. We can get into it. Hold on. Okay, I got to do classic little host stuff. Let me let me <laughs> do uh, it. tease what's coming up. We got uh, We're going to be talking about the Nationals getting swept by these red hot Dodgers that we hope to start to cool down here in the next few days. Uh, discuss the NL East All Stars. We have a couple segments, Jeremy. I don't know if you're familiar with them. We got the Grama de Week, sixty second stories, feast or famine, and then we preview the upcoming series. But yes, unfortunately, the first things that we need to talk about is the weird last twenty four hours that the Marlins had. So we have the we have the Pablo Lopez problem on Friday, right? Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Pablo Lopez threw one pitch. It was a ninety two mile an hour sinker, and it clipped Ronald Acuna on the elbow. Umpire seemed to be giving warnings to both sides of the club. Is that like the home plate umpire comes out, takes his mask off, starts pointing, then Snicker comes out, gets in his ear, starts screaming at him for. I don't know, 90 seconds, and then the umpires convene, talk for another 90 seconds, and then Pablo Lopez is out for the game. Um, throws off the Marlins' bullpen strategy for the remainder of the series, which we saw come into play yesterday, which we'll talk about later. <sighs> but um, Jeremy, Brandon, uh, what's what's your initial thoughts on this? I, I'll, you want me to go ahead and just jump in? Please, I'll, Jeremy, yes, jump right in. My yes. initial thought is, uh, in the moment, I'm, I'm watching everything unfold. And every time a game starts now between the Braves and the Marlins, you're kind of holding your breath on the first pitch. You just are. Yeah. Because Ronald yeah. Acuna is leading off. And before Friday, you had seen him hit just twice on the first pitch of a game. Only twice. <laughs> twice. Two times ever. But World War Three was on its way I if know. there was a yes. third time. And uh, and everyone holds their breath every single time it happens. And so you see a pitch get away from Pablo Lopez. And yes. there's never been a more obvious example of a pitch just getting away from His a pitcher. His reaction said yeah. everything. Everything about it, the way that he reacts to it, uh, the way that even Acuna kind of reacts to it. Because yeah. he's mad because he's annoyed. But we've seen what Ronald Acuna looks like when he's actually mad at a hit-by-pitch. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't it. That was not it. He was Absolutely frustrated, not. doesn't like being hit by pitches, period. Understandable. Who would? <laughs> yes. You know? Nobody <laughs> likes know getting hit you by a baseball at 90-plus miles an hour. Um, but he's fine. Yes. But Brian Snitker, and you know what? Understandably. You know, because that's if his you're team. Fan, if, if, you you're, want, if you're yeah, a Braves you fan, want. you love that. I mean, yes, that's for that matter, want. if you're a Braves fan, Bobby Cox was your guy. This is, <laughs> this is nothing. <laughs> this is nothing. Yeah, so, seriously. you know, Brian Snitker comes out from the dugout and, and, and ruins everything. Um, because I think what, what really the biggest shame of this is, is that this now carries on forever with Acuna. Yes. And if it didn't carry on in that game... I think it's actually finally done forever. Like, I think yeah. if that hit-by-pitch happens and they just move on, then it's probably done forever. Because if you're not mad now, what gives you a reason to be mad at a later point? Unless it's an objective, the Marlins have done something wrong and they choose to throw at you after a homer or something like that. Yes, exactly. But from that point on, it would have been done. And so Brian Snitker comes out, makes a huge deal out of everything, and eventually the umpires under the pressure of 
a home crowd, a home manager, you know, finally going, maybe one of them brings up, hey, wait, don't these guys have a past? Oh, Cunha's kind of a big deal. Oh, maybe, did they hit him after a homer once? I should probably toss the guy, right? Eh, screw it. And they talk, like, it feels like that's the conversation and the frustration that, that kind of swept over me in the moment was how do you pitch to Ronald Acuna Jr. if you can't make a mistake? So it's, and pitching approach is so complicated, right? In today's game in particular, because all of these guys can hit home runs. But when you're facing the very best hitters in baseball, they're also guys that can make contact top down and in and out. Like they're not a guy that just like, I'll say it. They're not a guy like Giancarlo Stanton that has a swing path to one spot. And so they'll hit 40 homers, but they hit 220, right? Yes, exactly. Those low and away sliders. Guys like Ronald Acuna can hit the ball anywhere other than up and in. It's the only spot that he can't hit in. It's like throwing Mike Trout up for the first part of his career. It, it happened to be that for Trout, it was up and anywhere. For Acuna, yeah. it's particularly up <laughs> it's, and in. And yes, so that top right corner. Yeah, yeah. that you know, and it and so specifically, that's the one spot where where he can't hit you. His front foot lands on the chalk when he mm-hmm. swings. And so he's covering the inside part of the plate. He's wearing an Pat elbow guard like Barry Bonds. Yes. You have to have some comfort throwing on the inside half of the plate. Do I give Braves fans Ronald Acuna, Brian Snitker, all of them, carte blanche to be frustrated with the Marlins because all they see was, hey, some guy hit Ronald Acuna on the first pitch a couple times. If you were watching all of Jose Urena's career with the Miami (laughs) Marlins. The man, the legend. You know that he hit as many guys as anybody in Major League Baseball. Because he liked to pitch inside, even though he had no command of the inside corner. <laughs> he couldn't corner. do it well. Yeah, like, exactly. And so he was someone who was unafraid. And that's something I give him credit for. That's something, this is something that Pablo Lopez, Pablo Lopez's season has only been as good as it's been because this is the first time in his career that he's not afraid to pitch inside to good yes. right-handed hitters. Most of his career, if you've watched, he's peppered those changeups low and away. He's been afraid to attack the best hitters in lineups. And now he's unafraid to throw on the inside part of the plate. Sandy Alcantara, that was his big hurdle. Don Mattingly would say over and over and over again, you have ace stuff, you have ace stuff, pitch like it, pitch with confidence. Urania was the opposite. He pitched with too much confidence. And so because of it, one time he hit Acuna on purpose, but one time he hit Acuna accidentally. Yes, because, definitely. And, and, but that is what changed everything because they thought it was on purpose. There was reason to feel that way. He certainly didn't back down from a fight, okay? And so it's created this rift. But to then fast forward multiple years, multiple hit by pitches, mind you. Acuna's already been hit by a pitch by the Marlins last season <laughs> in the playoffs. Yes. And to come here now and think of all guys, Pablo Lopez. A guy who, like, literally, when I speak to, I feel guilty after speaking to him because he's so kind that it makes me feel bad about myself. Like, he's that he's that sweet of a guy. He's hitting Ronald Acuna Jr. on purpose. That guy. So hard to believe. For, yeah. for, and for no reason. He has not, like, hit homers this season. He's been good. Again. I mean, he's a Marlins killer, but he's an everybody yes. killer. Yes. To assume that Pablo Lopez was throwing at Acuna on purpose is asinine, period. Does that mean Brian Snitker's response was, no, he's defending his guy. He did what he was supposed to do. The umpires completely mishandled it. 
because they thought they understood the context and they didn't. And so it set the Marlins up for failure. It it put everybody in a bad situation. And now Braves fans and Marlins fans are done. Like they're furious <laughs> at each other. And that this beef is now just going to continue throughout Acuna's career, unfortunately. And it's a shame because I wish that Marlins fans could get to just like appreciate the greatness they're going to play against Enjoy, for the next yes, decade. Yeah. And instead, they're going to hate the guy. No different than like Mets fans hated Chipper Jones. And it's like, well, that yeah. guy is really great. You know, <laughs> you probably should have enjoyed playing against him so much. It was fun. But, you know, unfortunately, that's the way it goes. Yeah, that was tough. Brandon, as a as somebody who has no horse in the race, obviously, Jeremy and I come from a impassioned Marlin fan background. And the timeline got crazy, Jeremy. The Twitter it timeline did. immediately following was just chaos on both sides, yep. like Braves fans and Marlins fans, like open hostility. It was, it was open season. It, well, mind <laughs> you, and sorry, and Brandon, I, I really actually really want to hear your opinion on this. So... But for me, I run the Bally account, right? So I'm sitting here. I've tweeted out the video. I'm the one that has sent out the video, and I'm getting this mass of notifications from just, you know, Marlins fans, Braves fans, now baseball fans all across baseball that are circulating this video. It's being shared on other platforms, but they're tagging us. So things like The Athletic or Bleacher Report, and then they're tagging, Crazy. you know, via Bally Sports Florida. Yes. And so I'm just getting just a bombardment of <laughs> notifications. But I'm switching back and forth between that and my own account because Personal I've had strong account. opinions there and I'm getting just annihilated <laughs> by Braves fans. Well, you did, and wait, you did tweet something. What was it that got so much backlash? Oh, well, that was, now. all right, so that was funnier. The so, jazz yeah, thing, right? So, so the following okay. morning, I woke up. <laughs> following morning, I wake up. I go to brunch with my lovely girlfriend. We're, sitting, yes. we're having mimosas. It's a lovely time. And before I've ever had anything this is in the morning right before i leave i sent a tweet joking and i said if they hit jazz with the first pitch i'll go up there and take care of this myself <laughs> look at me like <laughs> i'm not gonna go take care of anything i'm a broadcaster <laughs> making a joke my whole job is to be funny on the internet be entertaining right yeah. i'm just supposed to be here entertaining you people you know what i mean like that's that's the whole point and I didn't even really think it was that funny. Like, I didn't even think it was, like, that big of a deal. I thought it was, like, three Marlins fans were going to like it, and I was yeah, just little... tweeting into a nobody audience. So I go to brunch, and I come back, and I come back to the internet to see all of Atlanta furious with me. <laughs> and specifically telling me that six foot five, 260-pound yes, so Kyle Muller is going to kick my ass. And I'm like, with... I'm not actually <laughs> trying to pick a fight with your starting pitcher. <laughs> Who are you people? It was How do you not read the room on that one, Braves fans? Right. Come on. Not only was there a typo in the tweet, but who thinks <laughs> that I'm actually like going to drive up to Atlanta from South Florida? And it was amazing because then Braves and Marlins fans started arguing in the mentions of that because what I was doing was just retweeting every single time a Braves fan <laughs> told me I was going to get my butt kicked. Every it's single like time. shirtless pictures. <laughs> just retweeting all of it. I, I like and to it was great. And it, in, it, it was a blast. In an alternate universe, Kyle Muller takes it very seriously. And you have yes. a Lucas Giolito, Josh Donaldson situation, except it's Jeremy Taché and Kyle Muller. It's all I wanted. All I wanted was beef with Kyle Muller. And what was so perfect was that the next morning he was sent down to AAA, and I oh, got to dude, tweet, you won. I won the fight. You it was won. perfect. It was the. It was, I, so great. It was, yeah, so it was a great day. Uh, it was a really good 24 hours on there. Too bad the Marlins AAA <laughs> isn't in like uh, 
isn't in like Boynton Beach. It's like really close if, to me now. <laughs> oh man! If if it, I really truly, if there was like, if he was coming within an hour, like if 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 I found out that Kyle Muller was going to be even in like Port St. Lucie, I really might just drive up there to take a picture of the guy and like just tweet it on out. Just be like, all right, I'm ready. It's really, it really might be worth the bit on Twitter. If either yeah. of you figure out that he's going to be anywhere within this vicinity, remind me, and I really might follow up on this bit. We will let you know. Brandon, though, okay, so we, we have to know. You're a Mets fan. as All the podcast fans know this, Brandon. You're a big Mets fan. I'm a Mets homer, fan. all right? So you had... You're, you're, you're a homer. No horse in the race. You have to uh, have some opinions on this. And you know, I'll say know that I are. have a tiny pony in the race because there's still... We have the podcast. <laughs> it's still in, in the division. Um, so my opinion of this is, obviously, he was not throwing at him. Obviously. Yes. This is a huge series for the Marlins. Marlins are on the brink. Are they going to sell? It's a huge series for them. They sweep. They're back in it. They might not sell anyone. They might buy. Who knows? Obviously, in the first pitch of the game, with a, uh, Pablo Lopez has been a great pitcher. Like you said, someone who's not a power pitcher, though, necessarily. He's not throwing at Ronald Acuna. If it's an 8-0 game, eighth inning, maybe someone's going to throw at him. Maybe someone in the bullpen is going to throw at him. Possibly. You know, Zach Pop comes out and exactly yeah. some, some somebody they can. My second thing with that is Brian Snicker comes out. Why are the umps changing their mind? Because like you said, Sam, crazy. They they issued warnings. That's enough. And obviously, Pablo Lopez is going to go. Okay, obviously, I want want to pitch him inside, but maybe I'll be a little careful. Maybe we'll change the game plan up him and, and I don't know who was catching that day. It was Leon or um, Alfaro? But um, yeah, obviously, he would hear that and they would try. To not throw him inside. I don't know why the umps, though, why they immediately changed their mind. I honestly had never seen that before. Because if Brian Snicker just barked some things from the dugout, they wouldn't have done anything. But he came out saying, that's bullshit, that's bullshit. And that changed their mind. Which is like, the umpires, they need to stick their their ground, right? (laughs) That's their job. Yeah, that... Also, the, I don't remember who it was that said it on the broadcast, but it just like ruins the next decade of us being able to pitch against Acuna. Yeah, too, it was Severino. Like, yes, they established now that there's a beef, and now it's like a publicly known feud, and now that we have to change our approach, not just for the rest of that game, if it had been a warning, but for the remainder of every series between the Marlins and Braves for the next decade. Well, and think about it. Ronald Acuna Jr. is a guy that struggles on the inner half of the plate, right? When you think about how you have to approach him as a pitcher, he struggles a little more on the inner half of the plate. When you're pitching, you're pitching to corners. You're never leaving anything down the middle, right? So you're pitching outside. You always want to miss outside. You're pitching inside. You want to miss inside. Yeah. Like you're not – if you are if you have to pitch Ronald Acuna Jr. inside, which you have to do. We saw him hit a really good cutter from Zach Thompson. Wild home three run. Three yeah, inches yeah. off the plate and hit <laughs> it insane. a mile. He's incredible. Like, you can't pitch the dude over the plate or outside. If you have to pitch him inside, you have to to miss by hitting him in the butt. Like, yeah. that's where you're going to miss. You're going to miss him by hitting him in the back. You're going to miss by hitting him in the butt. He has to be okay with that if he's going to stand on top of the plate. But, look, Marlins pitchers, you got to be able to command the inside part of the plate. You can't be hitting guys all the time. Like, yeah. I-, I will say, like, yes, but it's also, like, I do think, and this is like, I tweeted this out, and everybody got really, like, everybody on both sides of it kind of got mad with me. <laughs> but I was like, the Braves are really going to hold the Marlins accountable for who their ace was when they were losing 100 games a year? Yeah. Our, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, because that guy couldn't <laughs> control the inside part of the plate, now these guys can't make a mistake five years later or whatever it is? Like, 
it's really difficult to do the story when there's that much turnover in the roster. And so, yeah. yes, Marlins pitchers need to be able to control the inside part of the plate, period. Like, don't hit guys. I am, hey, I am Mr. Like, never throw at a guy on purpose. I think it's it's dangerous that we are playing baseball with the velocities with where they're at yeah. now. Like, it's, it's insane what baseball is and what it is to hit a baseball. So you should never throw at somebody on purpose. But, like... If there's is still strategy to this game, if you're gonna miss inside, you gotta hit a guy. Like it's yeah, just it it's is just the reality. And unfortunately, that's the big thing now is what does the next decade look like? We get to find out in a week. They play I this know. weekend. Like I what know. happens if Ronald Acuna Jr. gets hit by a pitch again? I think the internet's gonna break. I don't know what's I think gonna it's happen. Gonna explode. It'll be like Kim Kardashian with the champagne glass <laughs> all, all that's over a again. Perfect reference. That's exactly what it'll be like. <laughs> Um, yeah, Brandon. Also, you saw that Acuna home run. Oh, yeah. Saw, it was like six inches. Absolutely. Off the plate. And I, I know, I don't know if you guys saw this, but some Marlins fans were taking, they were kind of upset that they he sort of like flexed on, it was Thompson, right? So he kind of sort of like flexed yeah. on him. And it's like, why are you flexing on Zach Thompson of anyone? You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, of all, yeah, of all people to, to pimp a home run. Yeah, on, but I if anything, I mean, I, I, yeah. I'm down for the pimp, though. I'm okay with the pimp on that, honestly. They were upset by it. I understand, doesn't like getting hit. He hits a big bomb in that series. Do the flex. I think everyone should pimp home runs every time they hit them. It's the most yes. incredible thing in the world that people mm-hmm. can hit home runs <laughs> yeah. off of major league pitching. They should be there should be a parade every time it happens. <laughs> it's amazing. It it's crazy. Pimp a home run if you want to pimp a home run. Jeremy, I have a question for you. Yeah. I've asked Sam this before on the podcast. Would Please. you step up to the bat to bat to the bat? Ooh. Step up to bat against <laughs> Jacob DeGrom. I picked DeGrom because obviously best pitcher in the game. Uh would yeah. you step up to bat against him? And if you did, would you wear any protective equipment? I think the answer was, for me, I was like wearing like the softball guard on the helmet, elbow mm-hmm. pad, shin guard. Not that I obviously trust DeGrom's control very much so. Yeah. But just in case one slips, comes inside, and I don't want my arm to be obliterated Get from my body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd, I, I think I'd step in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I'd, I'd definitely want the elbow guard, the shin guard. And at the very least, the little yes. ma- the Giancarlo Stanton mask in yes. front, but probably the full on softball mask. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I'd step in there. Yeah, I, I got wait. Another hypothetical question, Jeremy. We this is something that we've talked about on the pod before. How many at bats do you think you would need to just get on base one time against a major league pitcher? Do, just like a oh, a it depends. Level. It depends on the major league pitcher because there's guys if you don't pick the bat up off your shoulder, they can't throw a strike. <laughs> yes. Okay. So the, you you work the walk, right? That's yeah. The move. You if, work the walk. I, if if it's like, hey, you have ten at bats to get on base, or you're gonna die, like <laughs> life or death. You got. Ten, I'm never. I won't swing. That's once. my favorite. I'll just yes. pray all day. I will just pray that the pitcher throws four balls in a row and just close my eyes the whole time. I'll just stand there. What? That's the yeah, song I want to see is where it's a uh, <laughs> jigsaw gives it's you a baseball saw, bat. <laughs> Kevin Costner's in it because it's a baseball movie. <laughs> yes. Saw meets yep. uh, rookie of the year. Or, or, yeah, it's perfect. Oh my god. Yeah, I think I'm at a. I think I would need a minimum of a hundred. But that is definitely the strategy. You go for the walk. Mm-hmm. You're not making any contact. I don't care who you think you are. I'm not bunting. I'm not getting my little tiny fingies on a baseball bat anywhere near that. But wait, no. Well, if you disagree, if it came down to it. If it came down to it and I'm watching a guy and it's like it's 10 or say it's 100 at bats. Say it is yes. 100 at bats and I'm going to die at the end of 100 at bats. <laughs> God forbid. And I've now been Jeremy. struck out looking 90 straight times <laughs> because he's thrown, you know, 270 straight strikes. Yeah. Because that, it is that easy sometimes. 
I'm willing to crush my hand because if not, I'm going to die. That's true. So at this point, I am squaring around a bunt. The problem is foul ball. You know mm. what are we what are we talking about here? Where mm-hmm. where where are strikes? What are we? I, you know that might get complicated. But yeah, I mean you're not going to get a base hit off of a major league no. pitcher. Maybe no. Kyle no, Hendricks. I, <laughs> Jeremy, you don't know the our athletic backgrounds, but uh, I cu- I stopped playing in middle school when it started getting around like 65 miles an hour is when I called okay. it quit. So I don't think I don't think I stand a chance with Anthony Rizzo pitching. Yeah, let alone, no. Ask to I, uh, pitching. Let alone I faced yeah. I faced uh, so I caught kids that were throwing 90 plus in high school. When I was a freshman, there was a, a kid on our, our varsity team that was throwing like 91, 92. And I was there to be his bullpen catcher at 14 years old, shitting my pants. Sorry. I don't know if there's <laughs> language restrictions on here, but no, please. Uh, very but yeah, friendly. I mean, I've like, I've seen, I've seen 90 plus and the difference from like 85 to 90 is crazy it's a game so the difference from that 90 to 95 95 to 100 it's it's nuts and so yeah i mean you can i mean you could feel the difference basically once you get to to 80 miles an hour every five miles an hour is a huge difference from there it's a big leap yeah wait so you you pitched in high school though am i right yeah i did i did what was your what's your max velocity give us max velocity so i i don't know for sure i was oh no, jeremy no, 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 no. No, here's what i'm gonna give you, you. Know. The the most I was ever clocked at was eighty two. Okay. Nothing okay. special. Um I think I threw a little harder than that. I think eighty five like, maybe. Yeah, I think there's a chance that I was, you know, on my best day topping out at eighty four, eighty five. Um but I was, you know, I was a I was a crafty guy. Like I was I I was that nerd that if you asked me what my best pitch was, I told you strike one. Because it just wow. didn't matter. <laughs> like it I was, I was that guy because I was, I was fastball, curveball. Um, okay. And I had a, <laughs> my last pitch was a show me knuckleball actually because I threw a knuckleball up until I was like fourteen, fifteen because my dad didn't want me throwing a curveball. Yeah, and I was smart like, dad. well, Good I don't. Dad. At the time, I was, I was kind of, I wasn't, I didn't really go through a growth spurt in any sort of way, so I kind of just sort of steadily <laughs> grew, and I was never huge. So when I was a kid, I wasn't really I wasn't throwing hard enough to throw a changeup. So I was like, I need oh, another okay. pitch. And so I taught yeah. myself how to throw a knuckleball. And it was like good. Like it was a yeah. real like I something I regret to this day is that I didn't just stick with the knuckleball because it was like real. Like it danced and everything. And by the time That's I awesome. was like 16, wow. 17, 18, I kind of lost it because I was starting uh, to throw the curveball so much more because it was just curves. way easier to command and a much more efficient pitch. Brandon, Jeremy, many, you uh, no, right. please continue. No, uh, I was gonna say, uh, 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 <laughs> I was gonna say, Jeremy, you could actually come back as a knuckleballer. So it's a joke. It's something that like I joke about a lot, but it's something that I also like. If I was ever, if I ever make it in this business to the mm-hmm. point where there's like enough of a following that I could get some sort of sponsor to like do a bit with me where I like go out and throw bullpens every other day or whatever. And okay. it's like sponsored by Dick sporting goods or whatever. And I'm like <laughs> yeah. trying to make the comeback or whatever. I would do that tomorrow. Like I really, and I'd work at it hard <laughs> and I, I feel like I could get it back. I occasionally I get it to dance and God, could, could we not use a knuckleballer? That's what well, I'm saying. We'll sponsor but, you. Jeremy. We'll be your yeah, sponsor. We'll, <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, it's something, it's something that like, I, I don't know that it's like, I kind of seriously think that it's not insane, but I also like then I think about it and I'm like, no, it's it's insane. 
but <laughs> it's it was fun man i loved i loved that pitch there was nothing like i mean obviously but there was nothing like throwing a knuckleball and watching a guy just like panic yeah i have no idea yeah. what they're gonna do with because it. it wasn't like i was throwing it every pitch so yeah. it, it really was especially late like late in high school i would throw a 100 pitch game you know in seven innings or whatever say i threw you know yeah i say through 100 pitches in a in a seven inning game it was i don't know 65 fastballs 30 curveballs, one <laughs> fastball from right here, and four knuckleballs. And it was like when I threw the knuckleballs, everybody just panicked. So they if it no was idea. down the middle, it was going to be strike. And so sometimes the be- like the best feeling in the world was, you know, you're through four and two-thirds shutout innings, and you got a kid right in the middle of the order up. And, you know, it's a three-two count. And then you throw a knuckleball and he just stands there and you can, before the pitch has even gotten to home plate, I know if it's a strike or not. So I'm running in, you know, running into the dugout before it's even <laughs> yeah. at the catcher's mitt. Oh, it was, it was the best feeling in the world. It was the cool, it was the coolest thing. It was crazy. It was like slow motion. That's so great. Um, Brandon, Brandon, how many, how many, uh, how many times do you think you would, so we did the hundred at bats to hit a baseball from a major league pitcher. How many pitches do you think till you could throw an actual knuckleball, like get it to do any sort of movement? I'm going to go oh. with, I can have a thousand opportunities and I would never <laughs> be able to do anything with it. I, you know, it's funny because I remember when, when the RA Dickey craze was happening, yep. they would do like little like, uh, vignettes on SNY of him showing how to throw it. And I was like, that seems not that hard, you know, but I was like, <laughs> if it, if it, 2000, I don't think I could get it probably it, okay. to have any movement whatsoever. Once you get it once it's, it is a little bit like riding a bike and that's kind of why I think I can oh, get nuts. it back. It's like, once you get it once, then you know what you're supposed to do. It's just uh-huh. hard to replicate. But it's like once your brain does it one time, it really does click. Like, oh, that it's it's that push. It's not that version because it really is more of a push than anything. Interesting, interesting. Jeremy, we're gonna hire you to come to New York City. One day, or LA uh, uh, seriously, one day we'll do this. One, one, one day, Teach the three us. of us will meet somewhere and we will <laughs> try to throw knuckleballs. We, we can't it. get you uh, a dick sponsorship, but we can get you Dick's gift cards. Like, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Two $25 Dick's sporting gift cards. To just try to go out there and, and, and relearn it. No, man, it's uh, fun. Well, yes. Okay, yeah. so I think the next thing we need to – also, Brandon, uh, th- I'm obviously not going to complain about this. I think we're turning this into a Marlins exclusive podcast. What do you think about that? I'm totally fine with right. that. Not not Okay, I should I should also give a little bit more information. This episode in particular. Sure. Not, not the podcast as a whole, but Brandon, yes. this is NL Marlins as far as I'm concerned. Marlins Feast. I don't know. I, that's probably what I should have gone with first. <laughs> Marlins Feast. Was like, you just change all of like the graphics we have oh, without Brandon's telling like, me. It's like our Twitter account name just changed. What mm. happened? <laughs> How did this work? Um, okay, so I guess the, the, the other... Well, there's a bunch of stuff actually we could talk to. What do you think of the Starling Marte contract? That's the mm. thing I want to talk about the most. So uh, it just... Your, uh, your co-host? What's the exact... Yeah, uh, co-host. Co-host. Craig Mish... Uh, uh, co-wrote a, a Miami Herald piece that just came out and said that the Marlins offered Starling Marte, I think, three years, $30 million. Is that correct? That's what... So, I will say, I read through the article and I couldn't find where that was oh, weird. unless maybe I had some sort of pop-up blocker on and so maybe it was okay. in the audio portion. There's all sorts of weird stuff with the Herald now and you know, paywalls and stuff. Incognito mode, Yeah, Incognito so there's a chance friend. that I may have messed that up, but I did see that Fish Stripes... Then quote tweeted what yes. or quoted what Craig had said within the article, which was yes, three years, thirty million dollar offer, and that Starling Marte is looking somewhere between three to four years at about fifty million dollars. 
Yes. Um, Do you think that there's any chance that the Marlins will be able to meet in the middle with Marte before the trade deadline and keep him around? Yeah, so I think that my initial thought when I hear that Marte is looking for three or four years and $50 million is like, it's kind of not that high. Yeah. And and with that being said, if that's really the number that his agent is, you know, leaking saying to media, yeah. leaking to whoever it is. Like I don't know if that's Craig. I don't I don't really know how these numbers get to everybody. Yeah, and I've been trying to pick line. mind you, Craig and I have been doing a podcast together for three years, and I've been trying to understand how he breaks information <laughs> the whole time, and he gives me like just enough insight. To understand a little bit, but not okay. enough for me to really know how any of it goes down, which That's I think so is funny. is perfect, so that I can kind of try to find my own way within it. But um, not that I really He's like it's be number two on the Yankees. That's the guy telling <laughs> yeah, me all the number two on the Yankees. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but but anywho, um, you know, if the number that that Marte is putting out there is only three or four years at fifty million, what that tells me is that he's maybe a little more willing to take like the quote unquote hometown discount than yeah. I previously thought. Um, because even if he said to Craig, you know, a few weeks ago, I, I want to stay in Miami, which he did say, he did um, say, and something yeah. worth thinking about is, is Starling Marte, you know, has kids and raising kids when you're a Dominican family in Miami is certainly better than a lot of other places in yeah. the United States. Um, and that's something that's like worth considering if you like want to be around your family throughout the year. Everybody talks about how these athletes, yeah, they can afford whatever they want, leave their kids and their family wherever. Or you could, you know, have your home base be where your family is. If, yeah, if hang you're out with your family, and particularly in Major League Baseball, where sometimes you're only gone for three days and then you're home for six or seven days in a row, it's really yeah. different than a lot of the other sports that way. Um, yeah. And so, if this is a place that he really wants to be. Um, my initial thought when I heard those two things was like, all right, so three years for $40 million and the third year is a player option. Like that's where my brain goes, right? Yes. Which is three years, 40. Maybe it's it's really like pretty front loaded. Yes. But there's a player option. So if anything happens on the back end, you know, he has his coverage, but that also is coverage for the Marlins that if it's only a couple of years and they're paying a high salary for him and he tails off, all right. It's a couple years of a wasted contract, but you just paid $18 million to Corey Dickerson for two years when you didn't Ugh. really want to compete. Yeah, uh, You could pay $40 million to Starling Marte in years where you do want to compete, or even less would, for that matter. Would that contract be an indication to you that the that 2022 is the year that they're going to start really making a playoff push then? To me, I look at 2022 as... Now, I will say this Sixto News does change yes. a little bit of that although i've never been as like crazy about sixto as a lot of the other people jeremy what uh, a bomb i think i think sixto's amazing like don't get me yes. wrong i think his stuff yes. is freakish electric yes freakish i i have my like worries about him being the guy on like a world series champion right like if that's what you're going for i have my concerns about him being like the reliable horse all the way through but you look at how much other pitching that there is in the organization between Sandy, Pablo, and Trevor, then Sixto. Then if you want Cabrera. to include Eliezer because he's there, you can. Oh, true. But he's a major league starter, you know, yeah, back end. Yeah. But that's who he is. He'll get you a couple times through the order. 
But then when you start going to Meyer and Cabrera and Jake Eater, Eater and all these yeah. other kids who were waiting to do it, for that matter, we never talk about Braxton Garrett anymore, who like still very has true. very good stuff. You yeah. know, I I personally, and I'll say this here because why not? I think that he's <laughs> the the perfect guy actually to flip this deadline in a similar oh, trade to what you did like for Gallon for Gallon? Jazz. Flip okay. Garrett because he sort of seems to be a little ahead of the window of the actual like young guys. So it's like you have Eater and you have Meyer and you have Cabrera, but they're all a little bit younger than Braxton Garrett. And is, if he's not ready to like be dominant right now, then maybe you flip him for a prospect, you know, that, that can help you in the prospect. infield. That's how, I'm saying this here. I'm not going to say it anywhere else. You guys can tweet it out if you want. Do whatever you want. Exclusive. But but that's like that's something that I've just. It's something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, that that's a position. You're blessing us with this information, Jerry. It's a position of strength. It's a position of strength for the Marlins. For sure. If if you're looking to try to upgrade and you're looking to try to put yourself in position to succeed, if you are the Marlins and you're saying 22 is the window where we open things up to compete, because we look at Sandy and Pablo and Trevor and say between the rest of these dudes. Meyer, Cabrera, Sixto, Eater, all of them. Two of those guys are going to do enough to yeah. be the rest of our rotation. And now that's as good of a rotation as exists in Major League Baseball. We believe Jesus Sanchez is ready to take the next step next season. We believe Jazz Chisholm Jr. I'm talking if you're the Marlins. We believe yes. Jazz Chisholm Jr. takes that step. We're going to re-sign Miguel Rojas. He's our shortstop. Jazz is our second baseman. He's a gold glover. Jazz is going to turn into that at second. Brian Anderson, if he's healthy, he'll be steady and dependable. Starling Marte's our all-star center fielder. All we need is somebody to rake and write, whether we pay for that or that's J.J. Blade or Peyton Burdick or whoever we think it is. If we think that that guy's there, maybe you pay for another catcher, right? Or yeah. you trade or for do the, the Contreras you, trade. Maybe yeah. you trade for it's a catcher, loaded. right? More yeah. position of strength with that pitching. And yeah, you can open up a window. The irony is, if I had to bet today, who's more likely to be on the Marlins pitching staff when they when they like win it, if that's the yes. end of this, right? Yes. When they're the best that they're going to be. Pablo Lopez or Jake Eater? The answer is Jake Eater, probably. Really? Don't break my and heart And I hate like to that. say that, right? But like, think about the timing of all of this. This yeah. season has been a bit of a setback. If they yes. don't invest in Starling Marte... The next year's another year where you're wondering, eh, are they really competing or not? Are they trying? There's a yeah. sell, you know, all these things. Now, there's an argument to be made that, like, if they decide we'd rather sell Starling Marte for guys that are going to help us next season in the infield, and we're going to make Adam Duvall our everyday center fielder next season. Ha, huh, fooled you guys. He can play center field, and he's going to hit 40 bombs. Maybe. You know, yeah, maybe that's something they're thinking. Um, yeah, you just j- don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of weird Jeremy, options with where they are. I want to ask you about Marte because Sam and I had this conversation a couple weeks ago, and I said, I don't think it's a smart move to sign Marte to an extension. Okay. And my thinking behind that is I was thinking as if the Marlins might be a couple more years off, especially if, you know, the Braves, obviously the Braves have been a little underperforming a bit, but if the Braves and Mets continue um, to dominate. Um, But my thinking with that is Marte, when he signs, he's going to be the same age as Lorenzo Cain signed with the Brewers. And Lorenzo Cain has been basically a complete bust yeah. for the Brewers. Defensively, he was fantastic in his first year. COVID year, he only had, I think, seven at-bats. Yeah. Um, this year, he's severely underperformed. I think his on-base percentage hasn't been above 700 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think that is this just the Marlins trying to be like, hey, I know we have 
a new regime now. We let a lot of players in the past leave, like Yelich and Stanton, and I don't need to go on the list. I'm sorry, boys. <laughs> Come on. But, but uh, do you think this is them just being like, we're a new regime, we're going to extend players that that we like that are talented on the team? And do you think that Marte will be talented when the Marlins do get to the promised land? So this is the conversation. This is this is the conversation the Marlins are having internally. It you, the questions you ask are the questions that I know that they're asking themselves. Wow! So it's You're... like, are the Marlins in a position to believe that they really next season and the season after that, twenty two and twenty three, can truly compete to be a playoff team? Because the reality is, you can't look around your division. You have to just look at yourself. Because sure. in baseball in particular, these rebuilds are so like these builds are so come and go, right? Like the way, especially with small market teams building yeah. themselves up and then kind of trending down, there are only certain windows. And so you kind of can't pay attention to what's happening around you in your division. If you remember the Astros, like when they finally got good, that division was also supposed to be good. And then they just dominated it because they did it better. So that's how the Marlins have to think about themselves is we're just going to do it better. It, yeah. I can't guarantee they will. Nobody can. Um, <laughs> I sure hope that they can because uh, it'll be better for me. But um, <laughs> but but seriously, when, when you do look at it and you ask a good question about Marte, which is will he be a contributor for them when they can win? So the, all, I thought that the biggest thing for the Marlins from in June and July was going to be the play of Jesus Sanchez. Because yes. to me... If you can look at Jesus Sanchez and say, oh, next year, that guy's going to hit in the middle of our order. And and actually, we think he's going to be good. <laughs> like, not he's going to hit in the middle of our order and we'll see. But he's mm-hmm. going to hit in the middle of the order and we think he's good at baseball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which it's been a while since <laughs> the Marlins true. have started a season with a prospect, you know, playing and starting. And all of us saying, yeah, he's certainly going to be good we've already seen on the right path like we know it like jazz started this year and we hoped because we saw flashes in spring but nobody knew for sure like if jesus plays great through the deadline and beyond the marlins can go into next season saying all right one of them works two of them work. both (laughs) yeah yeah, both jazz and jesus and and if anything that look makes 2021 a victory for you yes. that you figured and out with and in, Rogers, the Rogers development, right? Too. Yeah. Well, and Ro- Rogers as well. And I think it's, it's harder to rely on individual pitchers because of health. Yeah. Um, but with those players. And so if, if Jesus is that guy, like if he is the guy that he's shown to be at the triple a level and the guy that he's been as a prospect, and if he and jazz are the real deal, it changes a lot about your lineup. Because you're picking up Duvall's option, maybe, and he's just playing right field. And you're paying Starling Marte, and he's your center fielder. And maybe it's not Jesus Aguilar, but whatever you're getting out of first. Like, again, you're looking at your conglomerate positions, and you're going, okay, I think we got to try to make this run now. Because yeah. if you look at the rest of the farm system, right now, as of what's today? July 5th? As of July 5th, what are you looking to show up within the Marlins infield that you haven't already seen? Yeah, that's a great point. You know, in yeah. the outfield, you've got more coming. Like yes. you do. You paint Burdick, you have JJ Burdick, Blade, yeah. you have, you have uh, you know, Jesus Sanchez who just came up. You have Gerard and Canarcion. You have a ton of outfield prospects. Yeah. But in the infield, what do you have coming in the next year or two that's going to make you that much better than you are right now? And so 
some of the thought process might be this window with Sandy Pablo as mm-hmm. our, our one, two, that's going to close soon because we yeah. got to start paying them soon. So if we want to do this with them, let's start now. Marlins might decide we're not there yet. Yeah. And you know what? We're going to trade Pablo Lopez at the deadline because Ooh. he's a huge commodity. He's a great pitcher. We love him. He's, you know, heart and soul of a locker room type of guy. But what we can get for that, because you know what? We, we've seen it now. Maybe not next year either. And they decide yeah. to push it back a little more. That's when you obviously don't pay Marte. But yeah. the, the, the biggest uh, reason to pay Starling Marte would be that if you're going to start your, your, your willingness to compete soon, who's going to be a Miami Marlin that's better than Starling Marte? Who are you going to go get in free agency that's better than Starling Marte is going to be for you for the next season or two? So if on the back end, if on the last year of his deal, he's not producing the way that you'd need him to, okay, like, and then you probably can trade him at the deadline to some competitor. Or, you know him, what? Yeah. If, 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 if whatever Starling Marte is at 34 or 35 years old isn't good enough to be your starting center fielder anymore, then congratulations because you probably had a prospect come up that's better than whatever that Starling Marte is. That's a great is. point, too. Congrats, yeah, Marlins. In the like, if they're in the position where he's not good enough to play for them, then that means they're probably a pretty decent team. <laughs> And and the last thing that I will say on on paying a player within you know these small market teams is I often look at at small market teams sort of like how I look at NFL teams with the salary cap. So a perfect example would be the Seattle Seahawks when they won the Super Bowl with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's on his rookie contract at the time. They figure out, oh, he's better than the dude we just brought in from Green Bay it was Matt. Do we remember this guy? Remember the Seahawks? Do you remember this? The Seahawks, there was a guy, was it Matt Flo- Oh, I'm not going to remember his name. There was, no, not Matt Castle. I'm getting it wrong. All right, we'll, Please, we'll figure this, this out after. It podcast. doesn't really matter. I'm telling the story, but it doesn't really matter. The Seahawks had brought Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn. <laughs> Matt Flynn was the guy. So they Matt bring Flynn. in Matt okay, Flynn. Okay. They pay okay. him all this money, but they realized, oh, Russell Wilson's a stud, and he's on this rookie contract. So we're going to get rid of Matt Flynn. All that money goes out the window. None of it was guaranteed. We've got this rookie quarterback on a small deal. Let's spend money everywhere else and max out the salary cap. Because if this guy's the real deal at the quarterback position and we pay to make everything else good, we're going to win. Yeah, it's the best value in, in professional sports as a, as a starting quarterback on a rookie contract. Okay. And as Brandon would know, the other best value in sports is a great young starting rotation that doesn't break down with injuries. Yeah. The Mets had it. Brandon, yeah. Okay. <laughs> over there giving a strong nod. Yeah. The Mets had it. And had they it, spent yeah. everywhere else. They signed Ioannis Cespedes. They, they tried to spend elsewhere to supplement what was a great young staff that they felt was ready to lead them to the promised land at the time. And it worked. They didn't win the World Series, but it, but it worked organizationally. The problem was... When those five guys broke down, they didn't have anything else. The difference with the Miami Marlins is if they decide to compete next season and say Trevor went down or Sixto went down, 
There's Meyer. There's Cabrera. There's Eater. There's Reinforcements Gary. are behind there's, them. Mm-hmm. There's young pitching for days within the organization. Yeah. And so if the Marlins decided next season is when we want to open our window, if they're able to start making runs, theoretically, if pitchers get hurt or they decide we don't want to pay that guy because we don't think there should be more coming. It should be, if they build it the right way, closer to what the Braves were of the 90s than what the Mets were of 2016. Interesting. That's the goal, mm-hmm. right? Find yeah. your two or three guys that are always there, and then you're cycling through the guys you've groomed in your system for years and years to come. Who are the guys forever? I think right now the forever guys that you know theoretically in your brain are Sandy and Trevor. Pablo is a maybe forever guy. And that's not because he's not great, but it's because what's his value elsewhere? Do you want to pay him? It's different with his contract with where he's at. Sandy's proven he's a real ace, ace, ace. And, yes. and Pablo's a two. Maybe a yeah. one on, on an okay team. Yeah. Um, two or three on a, on a good team. Um, and so that's your question Uh-oh. from there. So Is you got to handle we it lost like Jeremy. a small market team. <laughs> oh, no. Jeremy, no. Oh, hold on, hold on. I'm here, I'm oh, here. Okay. okay. Okay, I lost you for <sighs> a second. <sighs> we got Okay, scared. and so I'll say it one more time. That's your question from here. You're the Miami Marlins. You're a small market team. You're handling it like those Seattle Seahawks. To me, you've got all these young guns. Now's the time you got to start invest- investing elsewhere. And when are you going to find a player that falls in your lap to invest in that wants to be in Miami as yes. good as Starling Marte? I just don't think Brandon. you're going to find it elsewhere. Brandon, what do you think about that? Come on. Let's, let's, hear, some, let's hear some hot yeah. takes from Mr. Gross. Well, a couple things. First thing, I realized that I said Lorenzo Cain hasn't had a 600 on base percentage. I meant OPS. OPS. Okay. Yeah, if he did have that, that would be insane. <laughs> I was like, sign Marte. Um, anyway, um, so it was funny you bring up the 2015 Mets team because I was actually thinking about that. because And Marte fac- factors into that plan in my brain because I'm thinking about that 2015 Mets team. They had these veteran players like Kadire and Kelly Johnson with this young yeah. staff. Not that Marte is much more talented than those two players, but those are just two guys that yeah. I that uh, uh, that I was thinking of. So I do think, uh, like I said, I've been anti Marlins uh, signing Marte to an extension. But if you put it that way, if you and if the Marlins are looking to you know have this this deep core of the young rotation guys and then have that the supplemental guys that the Mets didn't have um then I do I am more pro Marte and also with that being said the free agent class is very thin in the out, exactly. outfield exactly so I mean it's basically I think Marte and Conforto are like the free agent it's guys literally unless they think that JJ Bleday is going to come up and be a yeah. guy next year I just I I don't see how they can feel so confident unless they're going to trot out Lewis Brinson again in center field. Yeah. And that would be yeah. offensive to the Marlins <laughs> yeah. fans. And that's not Marlins even... Marlins Twitter would explode. That's, but that's not Lewis even... Brinson. And that's not even... I feel bad saying that because I don't even mean that to slander Lewis Brinson. Like, I like Lou. But yeah, he can't like be your guy. everyday center fielder when last season you made the playoffs, you were promoting it this season as if you were... Even though you knew you weren't really going to compete, you were still promoting yeah. like you were going to. Everybody knows you want to compete next year. If you're not putting... Again, you can maybe spend money on a right fielder and move Duvall to center and pick up his option, and maybe that's how you want to do it and do something more short-term. And if you want to try to get away with that, all the power to you. But he's sitting right there in front of you, man. <laughs> Starling Marte, he's an all-star. He's right there. It's yeah. so easy. And and it doesn't seem 
like they're like light years away, at yes. least to me. Mm-hmm. And and yes. it does seem like two parties that have a vested interest to try to to make this work. Um, the question is, you know, we're counting down the days now. We're, we're yeah. a few weeks away from where twenty five days the right offer is is going to be tough for Kim Ang to say no to. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy, you're just, I, I don't know if you've listened to our podcast before. You are bringing actual baseball knowledge to the NLVs <laughs> in a way that has it's, never happened before. I listened, to the, uh, I listened to the uh, the one where you guys talked about Bo Burnham because you tagged yes, me and I was which, all in on it. That's normally what I happens here. Just we don't, don't talk about baseball. Yeah. Wait, so, so is inside your favorite uh, Bo Burnham thing uh, so don't far? Don't do that. Don't do that. Come on. Don't ask me my words, favorite. Words, words, words. Favorites, you like the, impossible. I've, so like. Eighth grade. It, well, I love Bo, and then I should probably because the Marlins game's going to start, and I got to do oh, my yes, job. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, we so can let you. We should probably. You I guess I'll wrap up here with with Bo, unless you guys have a couple give us more. your Bo takes. Um, no, please. But please. Bo takes. Uh, I think Bo Burnham's a damn genius. Uh, I've felt this way for a really long time. Uh, I remember being a like twelve year old kid hanging out with my friends, watching I'm Bo Yo on YouTube. Yes. Um, and high school party and uh, and new math and like all these old videos uh, when YouTube was a new thing. Like he was mm-hmm. one of the first YouTube stars. And I was like, this guy's a genius. And it was totally inappropriate comedy. Like does not age well. well it's why, yeah, it's why I but, thought the song, but he, commented he did on a that song in, the... in Inside called Problematic that yeah. was yeah. Talking about like I did some really messed up stuff. Why isn't anybody holding me accountable for it? Like yes. it was genius because I felt the same way about him for a while. Which is whenever and this is going to be really funny because I'll tell you I'm I'm saying all this right now. Two months from now, half of Twitter is going to hate Bo Burnham because oversaturation. <laughs> Everybody yes. loved Lin Manuel Miranda for like you know thirty minutes and then immediately it was yep. hatred. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be very similar, if not worse, because there's actually stuff to get mad about Bo Burnham. Yes, about. there's some like, there's there's stuff that him. if you don't understand the context of the time and like how it's all grown, it's going to be really offensive. And it is actually without that, it's really offensive stuff. He made some really yes. offensive mm-hmm. comedy, um, but there was always some kind of you know intelligence behind it that I like. Larger commentary. Yeah, and and honestly, mm-hmm. I remember um, when he did he did. Because it was uh, in a row, he did like all that stuff with YouTube, and he toured that, and then he did a set called What, and then he did a set called Words, 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 Words. words I think Words, 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 yeah. words might have become before What, um, and then Make Happy, and then Make Happy. And I remember I went and saw Make Happy in person at the Jacksonville so Theater uh, with my girlfriend, and we went, and we're like ten minutes in, and we're looking at each other like this is this is another level. Like he's taken this to another level. And it was mesmerizing. Like, to be in the building for it was crazy because nobody knew what to expect. And what's funny is, like, comedians are just going to get tickets sold because, oh, there's a comedian coming to town. So for the people who had no idea who Bo Burnham was, I cannot imagine what it was that that felt like. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I think that some of the stuff that he does on Make Happy, like the um, Can't Handle This, which is the finale that's sort of like the Kanye thing, that I guess is sort of reflected in All Eyes on Me and Inside. It's like a similar concept. Yeah. but I mean, I, I make happy like the country song and make happy. Country song's phenomenal. I, mm-hmm. y'all dumb mother want a key change? Like it's <laughs> so just good. it's legalized gerrymandering. F your ears, I'm pandering. It's just it's so smart, man. Like it's so good, and uh, yeah, I mean it's been so cool like seeing people get to like now like him. And all I could think about, I listen to Dan Lovatard show a lot, and uh, 
he and and David Sampson actually to make this NL East. We're yes, talking wow, about perfect. inside. And really? Yeah. And wild because David Sampson always he goes on and reviews movies for them, and so he was. Oh, they okay. were talking about inside, and uh, they were like, "Yeah, I only knew him as the guy from Promising Young Woman." Nuts. And, oh my god. And I was like, "Oh my god." Imagine only knowing him as the guy from Promising <laughs> so Young weird. Woman and then turning on your TV and then inside happens. Like, yes, you're yeah. not at all prepared for what you're about to watch. Because, like, at least for those of us who knew him, it wasn't... Yeah. Th- there was a build-up to it, this. Like, it, like, it absolutely slow stopped me in my tracks. Yeah. I was, like, from, from, from jump, like, the content song for me as a guy that, like, that's kind of my job. Yeah, a digital it, reporter. It really, yeah. like, it hit home... And I was hooked from the first note. And so I sat there just jaw dropped pretty much for an hour and a half. But even then, I was like, imagine being someone that doesn't have any sort of exposure to this guy. And any now context. this is what you're seeing. It's crazy. It's it's weird, too, because uh, I'm assuming that we're all within like a three-year age gap. So there's like this micro-generation of like of, of like late millennials that are just like yeah. grown up with him yep. and have matured with him. Yep. And just like... Uh, this was, yeah, it really felt like a pinnacle because there was a moment where it was, uh, there was internet rumors and confirmed in the special that he was no longer doing, um, stand up and was having stage mm-hmm. anxiety and was unable to perform anymore. And then he did eighth grade, which fucking ruled. Oh, it was amazing. Eighth grade, eighth grade was so incredible. Good. Phenomenal movie. One of the most uncomfortable moments I've ever felt in a movie theater was in eighth grade yep. where I was just like, I, I want to leave. I can't, I can't do this. I want to leave. I'm squirming. Um, Ooh. and then seeing how he took the things that he learned directing and producing specials and then put it into his own. It was thing. genius. We, Yes, it was really phenomenal. It was really phenomenal. Brandon? Brandon? All I'm going to say. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? I'm going to leave. No, no, <laughs> you both have fun. Jeremy, we, we, we know you got to get going, though. Thank All you right. so much for taking the time Thank for you. doing this podcast. Hey, I'm sorry really I'm, uh, I'm so long-winded and ruined NL Feast and made it NL no, Marlins. Not we just became so much more reputable <laughs> with this episode. People would be like, oh, they do talk about baseball what? sometimes. Jeremy, seriously, this thank you fun. so much. Plug anything. Is there anything you want to plug? Twitter handles? Anything like that? So uh, you can just follow me at Jeremy Taché on Twitter. Uh, that is where you will find me making, trying to make jokes that you may or may not laugh at. If you have specifically <laughs> Brandon and Sam's like sense of humor, you might laugh at some of it. Um, so <laughs> I guess if you're listening stuff. to this podcast, you're probably in a good good place. Um, but also, I'm I there's like stuff in the works with Bally, okay. so just kind of keep an eye out. Um, right. We have a fun project that should be announced in the next couple of weeks that I'm excited about. So. Just, yeah, follow me on Twitter and you'll see all about it. We'll keep an eye out. Well, thanks again, Jeremy. Amazing. Thanks, thanks so much, guys. Jeremy. Really no, seriously, thank we'll you for you having soon. me. This was super fun. Of course. Of course. We'll talk to you later, bud. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. Brandon, we had our Hi. first guest. Oh, success. We had our guest. Brandon, we have uh, <gasps> we have felt, yeah. What? I'm invigorated. I know. We we actually talked about baseball, dude. We talked about baseball for the first time in the history of our NFL podcast. It weird. I was like, we got, I was like, but wait, what, when do I do Jay Leno, Mike Tyson? <laughs> we got breaking news on the pod. We got uh, of trades being floated well, out. Know, is it breaking news? Because he was like, I'm only going to tell you guys because you guys have five listeners. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not going to say it anywhere else. He was eavesdropping on our previous conversation where we said we yeah. had 33 downloads last yeah. week and we were just <laughs> elated about it. No, that was a lot of fun. Very, very uh, big thank you to Jeremy Taché for coming on the podcast, our feature guest, Brandon. We have, I'd say, 10 minutes to run through our our, uh, our usual stuff. Do you want to go for it? What are you feeling right now? Uh, yeah, let's, uh, how about this? Let's do, we'll trim. Let's, uh, let, let's trim. Let's talk about um, the NL East All-Stars and then maybe do 
a feast or famine? Yes, that sounds great. Hold on one second. I'm going to read. We also have a check-in from our boy, uh, Drew Bryant, our, our Nationals fan oh, of the pod. Yeah. He gave us a little text, so I'm going to I'm gonna read it because uh, Drew is just so great doing all these stuff. Brandon, I'm like I'm like full of energy now. I feel like we actually <laughs> recorded a wow, baseball Wow, we know talk. what we're doing. We know what we're doing. We talked baseball. Um, okay, our lovely boy, Drew Bryant, said... Yeah, so Schwarber won Player of the Month and then promptly suffered a significant strain rounding first base. Haven't heard it. It was bad, man. Yeah. Yeah. He like pulled up, like trying to go to second and then came back and slowed down. Yeah. Significant strain. Um, Haven't heard an update in a few days, but last I heard it won't require season ending surgery. Regardless, I'd be shocked if he's back in the next few weeks. What a hit for the Nationals, though, dude. Like one of the most electric baseball performances of like the last decade. Huge hit. Yeah, I saw that happen. I was actually at a bar on it and I actually saw that happen and I was like, you know, listen, as a Mets fan, Excited for a team to be weaker, not excited, <laughs> not excited for it to be because of an injury, especially to Schwarber. So, like we said, I mean, we were we we do our little jokes on Schwarber, but we hope you get better, young Schwarber. man. Schwarber. <laughs> hey, Kyle Schwarber. We probably won't do this for a while. We won't hear about we'll have Kyle do, Schwarber. We can do our Schwarber updates of the week. <laughs> um, so yes, we hate to see that. We're uh, we're we're devastated by that news. Yeah, like we we obviously root for our teams, but we never root for injuries on this podcast, Brandon. Um, what else? He said other various short-term injuries, including bullpen arms, Hudson and Finnegan and middle infielders, Turner day-to-day. I think he had a jammed finger. Keyboom Garcia, Jordy Mercer, and Alex Avia, who strained both legs after playing second base for the first time in his career. Strained both legs. That's very funny. Um, injuries aren't funny, Brandon. What are you laughing at? No, uh, we're not laughing at that. <laughs> um, to help cover, we acquired Alcides Escobar from the Royals over the weekend. Yeah, you know, he hadn't played in the majors, I think, since 2018. Wow, dude. He was he was on those, those good Royals yeah, teams, too. that's wild. And the good Royals month that they had at the beginning of the season Um, (laughs) from the Royals over the weekend and started Trace Berea at at catcher who got his first major league hit shout out to Trace Um, all right we're really we're really blowing through this Brandon at least partially due to the injuries especially the empty bullpen we got swept by the Dodgers at home brutal I think the Dodgers averaged like six and a half runs in that in that entire series per game most games were competitive until the later innings when the bullpen imploded as a result from the sweep and a tough upcoming schedule the next few series are San Diego San Francisco and then host San Diego we went from optimistic about a postseason push to pessimistic I think a lot will depend on the two away series going into all-star break um Soto, Turner, and Schwarber all got all-star nods, but Scherzer did not, which we will get to discussing here in a second. Um, yeah, Brandon, just not not a great moment of um, of Nationals baseball for them, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean they're riding break. high, but also they they faced a team that was that's a powerhouse in, in the in the National League right now. Yeah, but what are you going to do? I mean, the Dodgers I mean, are won nine games in a row, and we're on a four game, five game winning streak coming yeah, into the series. Yeah, I saw a, a tale of two cities going on since the Cubs swept, or excuse me, no hit. Uh, the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, they the Dodgers have gone nine and zero, oh and I think the Cubs have gone one and nine. <laughs> I, I know believe. the Cubs are like on a devastating losing. Yeah, and the Bre- well. yeah, I think they were tied with the Brewers at that moment in the division. The Brewers went on an absolute tear. Yeah, and I think they they went uh, ten and one. That's insane. Then. That's insane. So and now they're eight games up on them. Oh, well, we're sorry, Washington Nationals fans. It's a tough time. I mean, there was like that moment of I, I have the question here. Are they frauds or just cooling down a little bit? But I think we have to assume that they're they're just permanently cooling down a little bit, especially with these injuries piling up. Like it's going to be really hard for them to turn it around, have a bunch of uh, difficult series upcoming. Um, but it was fun month for the Nationals fans like you. The, those are enjoyable moments of the season. Yeah, like, absolutely. I mean, you know, it might not be over. Obviously, you never know if they make a trade or something. The thing that I always thought and I've repeated this many times on on the pod is. 
I don't know if the rotation is deep enough to stick around because Joe Ross is not going to con- be consistent the whole There's year. No I, Eric Fetty's on the IL right now. No way. You know, Lester, obviously, veteran presence, and, and he's done decent for the most part. Um, is Strasburg back? Strasburg is not back. Strasburg is still injured. Okay. Uh, yeah, I said so that I with mean... confidence, though. I don't. I can't say that definitively. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's still injured. Um, but yeah, I mean, that does lead us into our next. Uh, we were really flying through these. Brandon, it turns out we could do like a podcast in 15 minutes if we really were just like prodding each other the whole time. Um, <laughs> what's, okay. Okay. So what's next? What do you want okay, to do? All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 I had a one cup of coffee while we were recording, and I'm just like sweating in my unair conditioned uh, Brooklyn <laughs> apartment right now. Um, the NL East All-Stars got announced, Brandon. The Mets with only one contribution, but with the Braves with three, which we'll get to. But So Mets had DeGrom, Marlins had Trevor Rogers, Braves had Freddie Freeman, Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, Nationals had Turner, Schwarber, Schwarber, and Soto. Schwarber. had Real Muto and Wheeler. Um, Brandon, how do you feel looking at this, uh, this list right now? So from a Mets perspective, offensively, I don't think the, the only one that maybe – could have been all stars, Pete. I think Pete's still going to compete in the home run derby, which is always a little awkward for me in my if you're not an <laughs> if they're like a home run the... derby and not an all star. Yeah, that's but weird. yeah. So Degrom's also not going to pitch in it. So the, uh, and he might not show up. So he may be replaced by Taiwan Walker, which is a big outcry in Mets Twitter. They want Taiwan Walker to be um, an all star. And All-Star as well. I mean, he's top 10 in ERA right now. It is he's weird. really dominant for them. So. I wonder if there's any other team that's leading the division that only has one uh, All-Star representative. That's a great question. Um, I wish we looked that up before. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Listen, we'll tweet we, about it. We, we had a very strong baseball intro, and then we're going to go back to being uneducated. <laughs> it's the podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, fucking hit dingers, dude. Um, <laughs> yeah, Trevor Rogers. The Marlins posted this really lame video on Twitter that was like, we told Trevor Rogers he was demoted to AAA. Oh, I and saw then, that. And That's it's, so mean. It's, and he's like, I, I like a Trevor Rogers at the end. He was like, uh, he was like, Wait, so Jacksonville's not happening? Dude, it's so funny. That man is like, I love him to death because of all of the contributions he's made to the Marlins this season and hopefully yeah. will continue to. He seems like the least charismatic, least emotive person in the entire world. Yeah. He's just like, uh, so, okay, uh, um, all right. It's like, there's a moment at the very end of the video where he like walks out and sees that there's a camera and he like looks, sees the camera and then puts his head immediately down and keeps walking. I'm like, oh man, this dude just does not it's want It's funny because like, I, I understand obviously if your manager's telling you something you like you want and Matt did a good job like saying oh to limit your innings whatever but i think you'd be like what are you talking about dude i was like nl pitch rookie of the month like two times <laughs> yeah what are you talking about? yeah what could and also are your starting pitchers have been dropping like flies and i've been the only consistent one all season that hasn't had an opportunity. Yeah. so very funny but all right brandon we're moving on to another segment it's the grama week i'm gonna say so i think pete i already mentioned pete um Weird, he only has two homers at City Field this year. I think he has wow, 15 homers so on the weird. season. But he hit a big home run off Aroldis, no sticky stuff, Chapman, uh, to tie the game in the first game of the doubleheader yesterday. <laughs> get his ass, Brandon! Up. Get his ass! <laughs> Dude, he's someone who should yeah. not be an all-star. I know, Holy that's crap. insane. His ERA is Dude. like 27 in the last seven games or something like crazy like that. Insane, insane. But uh, yeah, so Pete looks like he's turning turn the corner a bit. Um, he had a couple homers uh yesterday and yeah i mean that's what the mets need right now and i love seeing seeing uh p 
Pete succeed because he's a great, he's a big old polar bear. He is. You dude, I know. I don't know if I've told this story. Actually, I'll tell it on. Uh, I'll tell it on sixty second stories. Brandon, coming up next. <laughs> We're powering through segments, dude. This is like a. Let's just skip the feaster famine. Okay, we'll skip feaster famine. Okay, but can I do this real fast before we do? Yeah. <laughs> dun 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 feaster famine. famine. All right, cool. Got that out of the way. Um, okay. sixty second stories. If you're new to the podcast and you uh you. <laughs> Or big dumb moron that can't figure it out from the title. 60 Second Stories is where Brandon and I each tell one story unrelated or related to baseball and after 60 seconds are cut off and then allowed to continue the story immediately afterwards. Brandon, you're going to go up first today. Do you have a 60 Second Story to share with us? On Hell the yeah. You do. All right. Are you ready? And away yeah. we go. Uh, so this weekend I was I went to a Mexican place uh, in uh, Thousand Oaks, where where my friend Alec, who I've mentioned on the pod before, lives. Uh, bit of and, a haul, the Thousand Oaks. Uh, yeah, we we had to work on the on the pilot oh, stuff. Okay. So Ooh, a bit of a haul, though. It, it, it's a funny, nice little suburb, you know, where weird, every, yeah. everything's closed at eight thirty. Yeah. But um, went to this Mexican place. I showed the guy an ID so I could get my frozen strawberry margarita, and uh, <laughs> and he looked at it and he's like looking at me. He's like like basically like doesn't think my ID's real. And I have a California ID. Yeah. It's totally normal. It looks like me. And he's like, what's on your forehead? I'm like, what? <laughs> and I look at my ID and I have like Sharpie on like my forehead. It looks like a giant mole. Weird. But, and I was like, oh, there's Sharpie. And I wiped it off. And then I, I thought to myself, I go, what if I had like a mole that was removed? And this guy just like, <laughs> and he just asked me that. He's just and, bodying you in front of all of your friends. <laughs> yeah. He's like, where's that mole, loser? <laughs> Brandon, you have three, uh, two, Loser. One. Nice. Where's okay. that mole? That, that's, a, that's a strong end. That's a strong end. Yeah, but, yeah. That's uh, pretty good. I, I, had a, I had a work happy hour this last week on Thursday, um, and Chris Rowland, famous friend of the pod, um, was there attending, and we all showed up together. It was like all of us after work and our work mm -hmm. stuff, and uh, the bartender goes, I'm going to need to see your IDs, all because of this man, and pointed right at Chris. And it was just <laughs> oh, like- because he looks really young. He, yeah. He's like, I wouldn't have ID'd you if it wasn't for this child amongst you. <laughs> um, very funny. All right, Brandon. I'm going to get to my baseball-related story. Are you ready? Yeah. And what do you say, Brandon? Oh, and away we go. All right, Brandon. So when I first moved to New York City, I moved in April of 2019. Obviously, uh, as if this last 40, 45 minutes, I'm giving myself too much credit, hour and a half of this podcast hasn't showed you, is that I am a, I'm a diehard Marlins fan. So one of the first things I did when I got into town was I went to New York Mets game. And this was Pete Alonso's rookie season. This is 2019. So I'm sitting in the stands. In front of me, I've got all of my friends. We're hanging out, really not being too obnoxious for the most part, just kind of enjoying the game, chatting with buds. It's a birthday that we're celebrating for a buddy of ours. In front of us, it's a mom and three small children. I don't know if they were all her children or not, but um, she, uh, Pete Alonso comes up to the plate, first at bat, um, grounds out like a dribbler to second base, and they throw it, and I go, rookie of the year! Um, and she turns around. She starts giving me a little, like, talking to the kids, but saying it loudly enough that I hear. His next at bat, he comes. What does he do? Goes yard. <laughs> and the woman turns back around and makes eye contact, with, eye contact with me and goes, rookie of the year, and said it right <laughs> in my face. So, oh, Brandon, what do you I do? I feel like it? you've told that story on this pod before. I'm not going to I'm not gonna make fun of your memory, but Please, I'm just saying Brandon. it's possible. I, I know I've told you that story before, but I don't remember if I told maybe it on it was the pod off, or not. I think yeah, it maybe it was off, off pod. Um, okay. Which I'm going to use that. You get a pass, buddy. Thank you. I'm going to use that excuse now. Anytime I forget anything, I'll be like Brandon, you idiot. I'm going to gaslight you. I'll be like that wasn't on the <laughs> podcast, idiot. What are you talking about? Um, all right, Brandon, we're skipping feaster famine. So why don't you give us the rundown of the upcoming Absolutely. series that we have this week? Please take it away. The Phillies are in Chicago playing the Cubs, and then they're in Boston 
playing the Red Sox. And then the Nationals, uh, I was proud of myself on that. That was pretty the good. The Nationals yeah. are, are in San Diego, and then they're going up uh, to the Bay Area to play the Giants. Marlins are playing the Dodgers, and then the Braves. Ooh, spicy, spicy. spicy. The Mets are playing the Brewers, and then they're playing the Pirates, both at home. Um, the Braves are in Pittsburgh, and then they'll be going down to Miami. What's your most exciting series? I feel like it's going to be Marlins. Come on, Braves. it's got to be Marlins Braves, right? We got to see yeah, what happens. Yeah. The 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 blood has been boiled. Is that the is that is saying the blood has the been blood has been <laughs> it's been curdled. The blood has been curdled. Um, and at this point, it's just a straight up rivalry. I'm I know Jeremy touched on this already in the podcast, but the way that we had like visceral bad blood between Marlins Twitter and Braves Twitter was like I had to remind myself that our podcast is ideally uh, appealing to the entire division and not just our two teams that we support. Um, and so I had to reel it in, and I didn't that I wasn't a reply guy. Or anything but yeah man the blood was boiling this week uh i think the most exciting series for me is the nationals giants giants are very intriguing to me because they've continued to win yes and also i want to see the nationals post schwab see if they if they can hang in there yeah i love that i love that let's see what they can do um brandon i got some bad news buddy I got Come some on. bad news brandon we don't have any podcast reviews this week <sighs> Uh, that's the most depressing thing I've ever heard. Do you think Jeremy will review us? Do you like us? <laughs> He's, yeah, Jeremy. Jeremy's just going to leave a review. Do you like us? All episodes suck, but that one guy that came on in episode 15 ruled. Hell yeah, five stars. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's like, Jeremy Touche. It's like, that's like, <laughs> wow, okay. I wonder. We should have asked him what his uh, AIM screen name was in middle school, because that's got to be up there. Um, but, Brandon, we have our first email. Let's go! Yay! All right, I'm going to read it out loud. Are you ready? Yeah. Something to feast on is the subject title, which pretty good pun if you ask me. That's um, pretty good. What's up, baseball nerds? Keeping it short and simple. Top three Marlins and top three Mets jerseys from the other Clark boy. That's my brother. Shouts out to Max. <laughs> Don't reveal that, dude. Uh, sorry. It says from very big fan unrelated to either hosts. Yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> um, what, what, so for me, that comes to mind, obviously, are the black 2003 Marlins jerseys. Um, uh-huh. Those hold a very special place in my heart. Um the teal jerseys, any teal with the Marlins is obviously oh, phenomenal. Yeah. Like we love those old school '90s jerseys. Um, and then the new City Connect jerseys. I'll yeah, throw City them on Connect. There. Why not? Those are my it, yeah. those are my top three that come to mind. What about you? Uh, top three. So I'm gonna say, see the black Mets jerseys, which are coming back at some point. They're great. This, I love those this year. Yeah, those are classic, especially because that's when I got into the team was the '99 2000 team. So, um, so yeah, I'm gonna say those. Um, I actually, I, I really like the blue Mets jerseys as well. Um. And then I'm gonna say probably the, probably the classic pinstripe. Honestly, like it's an old school feel, but it's like those are the OG Mets uniforms. I like them. The '60s ones actually had more of like a cream sort of feel to them, and I Ooh, like that. Yeah. What do you think of the? I know that football was already brought up on this podcast, and both of us mm-hmm. flood, sputtered like absolute morons. Uh, uh, Russell, uh, uh, I was like, I know, and then I was like, I know Russell Wilson was drafted in either like the third or the fifth round, but I want to maintain any sense of credibility at this point, so I'm going to keep yeah. my mouth shut. Um, but the cream, hearing cream, always makes me think of. Hearing cream, not a thing I'd ever thought I'd say on this podcast, um, <laughs> makes me think of the... Could be the band. That's true. Speaking of cream... Eric Clapton! No! circle! Cursed by Eric Clapton. Makes me think of the Buccaneers jersey. So that's all I got to say about that. Brandon, what a wild ride of an episode this was. How are you feeling? Let me get a little check-in with my co-host. I feel great. I'm sick. You're no, sick. I feel great. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. Really How do you feel? I How feel you great. This was a lot of fun. We uh, Big shout out to Jeremy again for coming on the podcast, making us a reputable baseball podcast for once. Thank you to anybody that made it this far in the episode. You were probably hitting close to an hour 30. So a uh, big shout out to you. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate all of the work that went into this episode from none other than Jeremy Taché again. Um, and what? Brandon. Should I... 
Yeah, we can cut this out. Should I read the Mets uh, Twitter people? Read the Mets. Oh, future fans of the pod. Yeah. yeah. Should we also do? No, we don't. We're not cutting this out. Please. Editing. Never heard of it. Um, should we do Marlins fans though this week because of the how heavy we went in on the Marlins? Do you have ones from the top of your head? No. <laughs> I can do, <laughs> I can do one. We have Trevor Dan Jadaniel Rogers stand account at Marky Mark two underscore zero. He's been uh, we've been having some great conversations over our DMs about baseball cards. So shout out to my boy there. Marky Mark. That'll be more fun. Um, okay, let me, let cool. me hold on. I can, I can pull up a couple more Marlins fans if you got some. At Christopher Walker, our boy Chris, at Christopher Kyle. Christopher Walker, a nice man who I've been just like way too busy the last month and, and it was been supposed to be actually hanging out with Brandon and I haven't done it. Um, who else? And then at King of Buffalo, Tyler, big fan of your work. You've been one of the first Marlins people I ever followed. So um, yeah, there we go, Brandon. Uh, any last words before we get out of here? Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.